All right, so we're back. Another episode. Uh, we're gonna do a little free agency wrap up. Uh, back with the first guest that we had on to talk. Uh, the second guest that we had on to talk basketball, Mr. Malcolm Morley, diehard Knicks fan. Malcolm, what's going on, baby? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me once again. You know, I wanted to Alright, so we're going to hit real quick on the biggest stories before we kind of do a little quick hitter where we just talk about pretty much everything. Of course, the biggest signing of the offseason was LeBron to the Lakers. Um, any immediate thoughts or how do you feel about LeBron to the Lakers or any of the signings that they followed that, saw, that followed LeBron? What's, what's your general takeaway? Well, my general take is Warriors 2018-2019 champion. Literally. That's my, that's my take on that. On that, You know, um, I was kind of surprised, though, and impressed at the same time because I wasn't expecting LeBron to make the move to the West Coast. I thought, you know, he had, he had his foothold in the East the way he's been reigning. He's been dominant for basically the past decade. And I thought he was going to continue it either, either with Cleveland still or he would go play with um, ben Philadelphia, Simmons, yeah. Ben Simmons and be in Philadelphia. That was that was my thinking. That was my thing. I, I thought he was going to end up in Philly, but right. of course, after the Colangelo situation, um, that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> yeah, after that situation with the burner accounts, you know, I kind of I kind of thought, okay, maybe he has to go in a different direction. So the Lakers weren't too far far off. Yeah, I thought he was going to – I'm with you. I thought he was going to stay in the East just for the simple fact of, like, every year you know you're going to win. And it's not even that every year he knows he's going to win, but the rest of the East knows he's going to win. <laughs> like, if you're – I mean, like, I remember when we did our preview for the for the semifinals, and I literally tried to talk myself into Toronto because I thought they were really good, and I was like, wait a minute. Uh the Cavs have LeBron. There's no way Toronto's winning. Like Toronto, LeBron is Toronto's kryptonite. And the worst part about that is that there's no Superman on Toronto to begin with. So right, you know, it, would end up, it ended up in a sweep. You know, I, I wasn't expecting them to beat the Cavaliers. I was expecting them to at least win one or two games. So the fact that they got swept, you know, even yeah. though I didn't like the firing of the coach of the year, Dwayne Casey. And the trade, trading away DeMar DeRozan, you know, a star that's committed to that city. After a loss like that, that's pretty much a marker that basically <laughs> lets you know that, you know, you have, you have to go in a different direction. So I can't blame the side too much for that. So um, back to the LeBron to the Lakers. Does this yeah, yeah. does this mean anything? Or, cause... I mean, <laughs> it means a lot for LeBron in the latter stages of his career in terms of his transition. Mm. I mean, he's already in the forefront. He's already in the forefront of you know of all media pertaining to basketball. But like his true transition into like a mogul and becoming a mogul, expanding his business interests, expanding his entertainment, yeah, uh, his entertainment um, portfolio, which he's already starting to do. <laughs> exactly, with his team over there, the Rich Paul and those guys. So, you know, I think it's a good move for him business-wise. In terms of basketball, in my, in, my, in my estimation, I think they'll be the fifth or sixth seed, most likely sixth seed. I don't think they're going to make too much noise, especially not this year without signing another marquee 
another marquee player. Like they had some complimentary pieces, but what I, I basically I basically call that the 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 stupefied squad. <laughs> Because in my mind, none of none of those guys are the calibers of players that LeBron can take for a playoff run. So I, I, I so I think you know the, the the young Lakers players are going to be more interesting to me than any of those four signings. Yeah, inclu- including Rondo. But I think the Rondo. That's that was I was very surprised when they did yeah, that. I think it's interesting because they're challenging Lonzo Ball because. You know, I think I think that they couldn't afford to draft two point guards in, in a row, top picks in the draft, and have both of them not pan out. Right, or so just not even be on the team. Yeah. Yep. So they're bringing in Rondo to challenge Lonzo and to force him to get better quicker, and, I, and that's why I think they're going with that because I don't see them committing to Rondo long-term and just letting Rondo leave, I think they're going to take the chance with him and develop him because of how high he was drafted and how much of a failure it would be if they had to let him go. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, even though Lonzo, um, you know, he's, he's like, such a polarizing topic, he's a good player. I mean, he's... He is a great player. Yeah, like he's, he's going to be really good. Like, he can't shoot. That's obviously an issue. But, like, he's a good passer, really good defender. And, like, he can create... it. It's the kind of thing of like, okay, he can't shoot, but he can at least create something. And kind of like around LeBron, you just need to like do something else for maybe like two possessions to like spare him from having to do everything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, at the base of it, he could be Mario Chalmers. You know what I'm saying? And and he's way bigger, way better, and a better playmaker. In my opinion, he's the best point guard that LeBron has ever played with. Kyrie Irving? Um. Well, other than Kyrie, than Kyrie. <laughs> Kyrie was more. Kyrie was more of a scoring guard. Score first. I never really considered Kyrie a point guard, like in, in the true sense of the word. No, yeah. Of course, he's one of the bosses to prove it now. But aside from Kyrie, who you know does line up as a point guard position, I think the best. I think I think uh, Lonzo is the best pure playmaker that LeBron has played with. Um. This will be my last uh, Lakers question before we move on to Toronto. What is the likelihood that this all burns down in flames, given that they signed Rondo, JaVale McGee, Lance Stevenson, and Michael Beasley? Who gets killed on that team first? <laughs> oh, my God. It's going to be a free fall. I think they're all fodder. They're all scapegoats. Each of them are going to be bullet shields for LeBron and his legacy if it doesn't pan out. So what I think they are, I think they're assurance – their assurances. So if it doesn't pan out and they struggle this season, they're going down, and Luke Walton's going down before LeBron goes down. So I think for LeBron now it's a very safe move because that's like an ironclad, you know, an ironclad uh, story franchise where you know that they 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 kind of cater to stars, and I feel like it'll be the the, the Los Angeles media. Will, will be very kind, very kind to LeBron because they're gonna want him to. They, they're gonna want. They think that, that he's gonna bring them a championship. So. Literally, yeah. Um, my last thought is somebody on that team will punch somebody before the Christmas uh, time. That's all I have to say. Someone, someone's gonna get into it with somebody. I don't know. Oh yeah. I don't oh, know yeah. who. Yeah. <laughs> um. So now we're gonna go from the west to the east. The biggest news that happened about almost basically a week ago. Um, 
Kawhi Leonard, the Spurs uh, swingman and finals MVP, after basically sitting out of season, got traded to Toronto along with Danny Green for um, what I could probably make the argument for is the best Toronto Raptors player ever, DeMar DeRozan, Yaka Pearl, and a first-round pick. Um, we, I have a question in the doc, but I feel like we both feel the same. We're both. Are you surprised that he went there? Because I am. Um. Well, I knew that he wasn't gonna. He wasn't gonna. Uh, Kawhi wasn't gonna be in a San Antonio Spurs jersey on day one of the season. I knew he. he I don't even think. I don't even think he was gonna make it to training camp just because the the communication had broken down. Yeah, there was no trust there. Yeah. Trust was gone, you know. It was a media circus, and it, the, the Spurs, their, their brand just can't handle something like that. You know, that's something that's unprecedented when you're talking about the Spurs organization. They're notorious for being able to handle and control their stars. You know, make them take less money. You know, positive media is the only thing you ever come out about them. So the Kawhi situation was sort of an aberration, and I think that they needed to get that over as quickly as possible, and that's what they succeeded in doing. And in terms of him ending up in the East, I'm not surprised that he's ended up in the East because there would have been a king's ransom for whatever team in the West he was traded to. Right. The only team in the West that had the assets that could have that, that, that could have afforded a player of Kawhi, Kawhi's um, caliber, who I still believe is a top-five player and will be a top-five player when he gets back. Easily. Um, was the Lakers, and they would have made the Lakers give up Hart, Ingram, Kuzma, and Picks. That's what they were asking for for them, and they weren't going to get any of that. So, because the Lakers believed that they could get Kawhi next summer. So, if he was going to go anywhere, it was going to be the East. I thought maybe uh, maybe the Celtics or the Sixers would take a shot, but it seemed that everybody was a little gun shy in terms of giving up resources for someone that might play nine yeah. games season so but I think Toronto stepped up I think they deserve credit for you know bringing something to the table that could have gotten the deal done that the Spurs would have accepted so it was a curveball in terms of like the location you know Brett Popovich was a savage a little bit more petty than I've seen him in a while sending him all the way to Siberia basically (laughs) he's not even in the country anymore so but I think that ultimately if Kawhi stays, which is unlikely, it'll end up being a good move for both teams. And if Kawhi leaves, then Toronto will get a chance to do a full rebuild because they weren't going to do anything with that team right now anyways. Everybody, actually, everybody in the league except for the Celtics, the Sixers, and the Rockets should be in the market for a full rebuild right now because the the, the, the Warriors are going to be dominant for years to come. So Pretty much, yeah. From they, can, they can keep it together. Yeah, from Toronto's perspective, I loved it. Um, I mean, when it's kind of like a thing of like, this is like why teams basically tank to get a top five player (laughs) and, and Toronto basically has one now. And I mean, it's, it's safe to say that basically a healthy Kawhi is the best player in the East, right? Um, I'd say Giannis is challenging for the best. I think Giannis is a top 10 player. I just think Kawhi is a top. I think people forgot how good he is. They forgot how good Kawhi is, but assuming health and assuming assuming health is close and and, and, and focus, 
wise would be the best player. He's hands down. Right. And in a in a in an Eastern Conference where there's no LeBron anymore, <laughs> that means something. And like you said, they're kind of well positioned where they have like a lot of veteran guys who their deal expires not this year but the next. And like you know, they have like Valanciunas, Serge Ibaka, Kyle Lowry. They have each like two years left. But they also have like a lot of young guys who I like. They have um, OG Ananobi. I think is going to be really good. They have Fred Van Vliet who just resigned. Like they have a lot. Pals of Yakum. They have like a lot of young guys who they can then say yeah. like. They have a lot of length, and in, in this league where it's about you know, it's about being lengthy. It's about having range. It's about being able to play multiple positions. And you just brought in the best three and D player in the league. Right. A trading waste sign. He brought in another three and D player, which is a very underrated sign. A very underrated um, move. Part of that move is bringing in Danny Green. Yeah, he can play. Now, Danny <laughs> Green might not be the same Danny Green from 2013, 2014, but he still has a lot of skill, and he's one of the most elite three point shooters that we've seen. In yeah, he can play in the playoffs. Like they, like they play. basically got two playoffs. So I think yeah. um, before we kind of do the quick hitters. Um, where do you – Toronto? I mean, granted, Toronto, I feel like people kind of forget just because they, like, choked in the playoffs pretty much. Toronto was, like, one of the best teams in the league last year. Um, where do you think this puts them in the East? Because I think I think they're better than Philly, and I think if Kawhi is healthy, I think they would give Boston a run for their money. All right, so I'm putting them in number two. Yeah, me too. Because I do think they're better I think people overrate Ben Simmons a little bit, and he definitely got exposed playing against the Celtics in, the, in last year's playoffs. Yeah, because so, he can't he can't shoot. <laughs> he can't shoot. He can't shoot. So and if you and if, and if you focus in on him on defense, he can't do anything. It, it, yeah, you, you make it difficult for him to contribute offensively, other than being able to pass the ball. You know. You know. Yeah, he scored one point in the playoff game that series. <laughs> to how he was kind of dominating in, in the regular season. Yeah. So unless he takes that step forward, that team, their ceiling is not going to move. But um, the Celtics, let me tell you, people are people need to pay attention to the Celtics. I'm telling you. They're going to be crazy. It's going to be crazy. I think that they're the only team in the league that I think can logically challenge the Warriors. On paper, they can. Like, their team, I mean, I, like, I'm writing about this now. Um, I'm basically writing about, like, what the Eastern Conference looks like without LeBron. And when I talk about the Celtics, I basically say from top to bottom, I think they have the best roster in the league. Yeah, top to bottom, they are solid. They are solid. They have great guard play. They just resigned Marcus Smart to a $50 million, $50 million deal. They still have Kyrie. Um, to at least to the end of the season, Terry Rozier for one more year. And then you have they have an embarrassment of riches at the forward position. It's actually like scary. <laughs> it's actually scary. And then they have some decent big guys led by you know the consummate professional Al Horford, who's like really really good. He's <laughs> really 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 good. He's one of the more underrated players in the league. And with the style of defense that they play. It's they can cover a team like the Warriors and make them make mistakes. So, and, and they almost beat the Cavs without Kyrie and Gordon, Gordon Hayward. Hayward. Yeah, I don't know how people can't 
can't anticipate them getting better with another year under their belt. Right. Like, yeah. Like, it's the kind of thing of, like, when people don't play for a long time, they forget, like, just how good people are. And, like, Gordon Hayward is another one of those people where it's, like, he's, like, he can pretty much, he can do anything. (laughs) Like, he can shoot, he can pass, like, really well. He, like, he can defend, like, he. He can rebound. The guy can. Like, yeah, because basically their starting lineup is Irving, Brown, Hayward, Tatum, and Horford. That's like as good as any. Like, that can compete another, with any team in the league. And another thing that allowed people to get an amnesia about the skills of Gordon Hayward was the fact that, you know, the young kid, Donovan Mitchell, stepped in and filled this void almost immediately. You know? Yeah. The way he performed in that series against the Thunder, it, it showed that he had already arrived. And that a new era in Utah had already begun just one year after the departure of their biggest star. So that kind of did a big number and kind of, you know, just putting a blanket over what was the Gordon Hayward era in Utah. So people, it made it, that coupled with the injury made it a little bit easier for people to forget just how talented that guy is. Yeah, so they're going to, yeah, the Celtics are going to be filthy. Like, it's, 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 I can't even, as a Pistons fan, I, yeah, they're going to be dirty. So now we're going to get into my favorite part. Um, since me and you basically are NBA junkies and we basically know every veteran's minimum signing to max deal that was signed. Um, you want to start off with the best or worst deals? Um, let's start off with the let's start with the worst. Let's talk about some bad deals. <laughs> All right. Um. So I, I classified this into two categories. We can You can do either one you want. Um, the first category is it doesn't make sense given the team's direction or a team overplaying, overpaying for an average player. You can do either or. I have a good – I have some people in mind. You do too. What yep. hit me? All right. I'm going to hit you with uh... – I'm going to hit you with uh, overpaying for an, for an average player. And I'd say he has potential, but for what the Chicago Bulls had to pay to retain Zach Levine. That was like my number one. <laughs> it's just too much, man. Like, it's the obvious one, of course, but it's just too much. The, the, the amount of money they had to pay him was ridiculous, especially for someone that just came off of a, of a tough injury. To have to double down, he has so much other good talent coming up around him in, in that in that city. So many good players. Like a few years from now, they have to pay Wendell. They're gonna have to pay Chris Dunn. They're gonna have to pay Lloyd Marketing. Who's really who's gonna be really good? Like he's Lloyd Marketing's gonna be really good. Exactly. So you know, for them to have to shell out what was it like eighty million dollars? Four for eighty. Four for eighty. That's oh, rough. That's rough. That's rough. I think that's gonna be one of those contracts that they could end up having even that stretch provision on if it's still intact by the time his contract is up. That was my number one because when I saw it, I mean, of course, um, I'll say this, and, like, you know, like, the ins and outs. Um, so Sac- Sacramento, he was a restricted free agent. They offered him the contract first, then he signed. Exactly. What do you think the Bulls would have offered him if he didn't have that, if he didn't sign that sheet? Because that number is just, it's almost like Sacramento tried to screw them on purpose. <laughs> Yep, yep. You know, it's, it's sort of similar to uh, the, the what the Nets have been trying to do in taking players away from 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 
established teams. Right. And those established teams, it's kind of almost, honestly, I think it's almost like a form of sabotage. Basically. If you, if you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Because, like, let's take, let's talk about, like, the Nets. How they tried to steal Otto Porter from the Wizards last year, <coughs> and they offered him an $80 million contract. Now, Otto Porter, as he showed last year, he's not worth that type of money, especially with, you know, the hip problems. Right. So, you know, the, the Wizards put themselves in a tough place, ended up having to pay him, you know, top dollar. And the same thing with Alan Crabb getting stolen away from Portland. The offer sheet that they, that they gave him, it, it made it made it almost impossible for the Blazers to retain Alan Crabb. And that definitely hurt them in the playoffs this year. So, yeah. you know, I think, you know, with the players that they are bringing up, they could have afforded to let him go. You know, but, you know, they just wanted to have some stability in a lot of when they just traded for him. You don't want to lose him for nothing. Yeah, they didn't want to lose him for nothing. So they, 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 they probably think to themselves, okay, we'll re-sign him. If it doesn't pan out, you know, we'll get rid of the contract. We'll, you know, buy him out, kind of facilitate a Carmelo Anthony-like trade and, you know, use those pieces to retool. So, I mean, it was they, they had, their hand was forced, but I think – I have confidence in the Bulls organization and in their ability and their ability to, to manage that going down further down the road. Um, before we before I want to hear your next one, my only thing is with the Zach Levine contract, are are we sure he's good? <laughs> I like him. I like him, but I think that he's limited. I mean he's super athletic. He definitely retained that 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 crazy athleticism that he had before the injury, but nobody really knows what his ceiling is. It's like, it's going to be with his fourth season in the league. He's, he's shown that he can score. He's shown a little bit of playmaking ability, but nothing that would make you turn your head. Terrible, you know, terrible defender. Yeah, terrible, terrible defender. He is a, he is a definite negative, maybe worst defender on the, on the court type of player. Yeah. So just no instincts whatsoever. You know, Jordan Clarkson-like on the defense band. Like, when he was unplayable in the playoffs this year, that's the type of player Zach Levine is, except he's just a more consistent shooter. Right. So, I think he's good, but he's not. He's definitely not eight plus million dollars, I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, all right, give me, give me another one. Um, let me see. Uh, no, it doesn't make sense. You know, I'm about to do it. He's a fellow New Yorker. I love the guy. I was a big fan when he came over to us, when he came to play for the Knicks. But at this point in his career, Carmelo, and maybe he should have done this a few years ago before he signed that deal with with um, with the Knicks to stay there. He should have came to the Rockets back then. But coming to the Rockets now, after they just lost two defensive players to bring in an offensive player who is notoriously one of the most lazy and negative defenders that you can put on your roster who doesn't, who can't even score the way that he used to, but he still believes that he's a starter, somebody that can disrupt the culture because I think he has a lot of respect that he's earned, but in terms of what they're trying to build there, you saw what he did in, in um, Oklahoma City just one year ago and how he kind of like stifled their ability to grow. I thought, I thought it was, a, I thought it was um, subtraction by addition adding him on to that, that Oklahoma City Thunder team. I thought they would have done better keeping Cantor and McDermott and going with just to go 
just a pair of Russell and George. And I think I think I was proven right by how yeah. by how janky of a fit that was. So for him to join another team that that where where his role is gonna be pretty much the same, I don't I just don't see how it makes sense for, for the Houston Rockets to, to, to be signed up. Yeah, because their yeah, because their whole thing is basically shoot threes, which Carmelo was not good at last year. But also, we're going to switch every single thing that like it doesn't matter if like someone touches your man, you're going to take the other guy now. And I can't because I think like what people didn't often kind of look at with Houston was just like how good. Trevor Ariza and PJ Tucker were at just like guarding anybody on the court yeah, and like yeah. doing it well. Like PJ Tucker is really good. It's just like yeah, you don't. So, mm-hmm. how much of of PJ Tucker can Carmelo be? Like, not much. <laughs> not, not much. <laughs> like, I think, I think you can't even you can't even try to anticipate that. I think he's just going to be a gaping hole in their defense that. PJ Tucker and and um, Clint Capella are gonna have to try to fill, and you know what? It's gonna be very difficult because Mello, he is the void in one category that is super essential to defense, and that's accountability. One thing that Carmelo Anthony has never had the ability to do. Yeah, he doesn't care. Just hold himself accountable. There's always someone else to blame. If it's not the coach, if it's not the teammates, if it's not the system, there's always somebody to blame other than him. The defense is all about accountability, and that's the complete opposite of everything that Carmelo Anthony has ever been. Yeah, I'm with you on I – I don't know how that's going to end up because, like, he was really bad last year. Like, <laughs> um, so we can do my, my couple ones real quick, and I just want to get your thoughts. Um, some of my worst ones, the one I just didn't, I get it, but I just don't see it working out was the yes. Chicago Bulls, Jabari Parker, two for 40. Mm-hmm. Can you, what, how do you, I just don't, I don't get it. I, I'm struggling to like, see. Yeah, I don't get it either, but you <laughs> know what? His pedigree is something that lends itself to making that kind of decision. And it might turn out to be a mistake. You already have one player coming off a severe ACL injury. I don't know why you would want a player that had two on the same knee, on the same roster. It doesn't really make sense in that sense. And with uh, Bobby Porter still on the roster and Lloyd Marketing on the roster. And Wendell Carter. Yeah, like, I don't get it. And Wendell Carter. (laughs) You have some good guys there. So adding Jabari Parker, who was basically damaged goods, and at, yeah. at that type of rate, you know, it doesn't it doesn't make sense. But you know, he's a he's a city guy. He's a hometown guy. He's definitely an attraction that kind of like bring up raise the market for 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 basketball in Chicago because they've kind of suffered in the past years after the Derrick Rose era. So they kind of want to bring back some excitement. And now you know that LeBron, the beast of the East, has departed. I think every team thinks that you know. With the right, with a couple right moves, that they can be that team that makes it to the top. So I think that was kind of the logic behind a signing like that. Mm. Yeah, I don't get that one. And then this will be the last one before we get into kind of our best ones. Um, overpaying for an average player, I think I get why the team did it. I think they probably had to, 
Um, but the Marcus Smart four years, fifty-two million is that's kind of out there for me. I don't know. Like, I just think he's not. I struggle to evaluate him properly because I think it's it's like the kind of thing of like how much do you value the little things that he does, which are valuable, but like it's like he might make five really really good plays, but he'll make twenty others that are just like what are you doing? But like because he makes a hustle play, it looks better. I just don't think he's worth that much. He's, yeah, yeah, he's definitely one of those players that's extremely hard to value to, to evaluate um, because of the way that he contributes, and it's so outside the box that you know it's hard to really compute what he does as what his skill set to dollars. But I think of him in the same vein as I think of a Draymond Green. Of course, he's not as versatile, can't do as much on the offensive end, which makes, you know, Draymond a star. But the things that he does in terms of, you know, his presence in the locker room, being a glue guy, always giving effort, you know, if you need a stop on defense, he'll get it. You go to him, yeah. You can go to him. He, sometimes he gets streaky and the ball just drops for him. But uh, and, uh, and then other times, you know, I think, I think of him on a spectrum between Lance Stevenson and Draymond Green. That's in sense, yeah. Yeah, in a sense where he can do all the things that you need and well all the enough, th- yeah. Well, well enough, but sometimes it can be he can be the best player on the court or the and worst. Sometimes he can be the worst. Do you know what his um, career field goal and three point shooting percentage are? Got to be in the got to be in the high twenties. His career, his this is his career. His career field goal percentage is thirty six. And his career three-point percentage is 29. Yeah, high 20s for the three. That's like worst shooter in the league type status. <laughs> yeah, it's really, it's really, really, really bad. But the things that he does, like he can rebound. He's a good passer. He's a good passer. He's a good passer. You know, he brings energy and toughness to a, to, to a defense. And he's one of those guys that you allow to lead the younger guys and pull them up. So... Without without him, I think one thing that would suffer a lot on that team is their backcourt defense. Yeah. And I think it's essential because even though Kyrie took a step forward. He's not Terry a defender. Terry Rozier is serviceable. They need an elite defender that can guard some of the top guards. And especially in the playoffs where you're going against the John Walls and you're, and you're, going, and you're going against... You know, those elite point guards, let's say they make the finals, they're going up against... Steph, yeah. You know, you're going to need somebody that can really frustrate them. And I don't think Kyrie is that guy. So I think they can, they, just just for the fact that they need an elite defender that can stop stars, they need uh, a player like Marcus Smart on the roster. Okay. And, you, you, and I, think, I think it's going to turn out to be a bargain. I I, mm, I wouldn't say bargain. I think he's gonna he's gonna perform in what he's gonna play the same. Like I don't think his C, I don't think he has like a another gear. No, no. Like he is who he is, which I think is like you're not. And the Celtics. This is the only reason why I think it was kind of an, a really bad overpay was that he is who he is. It's not like he can say like oh he's gonna get this uh, additional part to his game. Like four years down the line, if he had the same stats, that's fine. But I just. You know, but granted, it's like, I, I think a part of it was also who are they bidding against, but also the Celtics are limited in their flexibility, so it's kind of like you just have to retain your own guys. Like, I, I get it. 
I just think they could have got him for four for thirty six, maybe. Because like, who else has given him that? Nobody really. But you know, <laughs> I think they wanted to show him, you know, that we're here for you. That they respect him, that they're there for him, that he's an integral part of the culture. And I think, you know, I think it's an understated point that he is pretty much the spirit of that team. Yeah, right? yeah, he he is he is the energy. Last word I'll say on this is that their overpay for him, and this is like years down the line, that might have to force some interesting uh, moves a couple years from now. Um, what are your best signings? I have one to me that like really stands out, but um, and this can be big or small. Like obviously, like LeBron, that's like best. Um, what are your what are kind of like some of the under radar ones or e- it could even be like a Paul George or it could be anybody. What do you think? Who who what what were the best moves? I got I got one for you. Bear with me here. It's not a signing. It's a wave. Okay. And <laughs> I think one of the best moves of the summer was the Cleveland Cavaliers waving Kendrick Perkins. <laughs> I'm so tired of seeing that guy in the league. Yeah. The bench with a with a with a with a with a with a bare belly and a donut gut. I don't understand why he was there. Kendrick Perkins will fight you though. Yeah, he'll fight you, but you can't fight you if you can't get off the bench. You realize that him and Zach Randolph almost fought in a, in a tunnel. <laughs> yeah, that's what he's good for. If you if you want to get in a bar fight, you can you can deal with a Kendrick Perkins. But I'd rather hire my security than have him on my roster. All right. I mean, you realize he almost started an international incident when he almost uh, whipped Drake's ass. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. He's a he's a bully. I'll tell you that, but that's all he's good for. He can't do nothing court. So besides the waving of the uh, OG Kendrick Perkins, um, what else you got? <laughs> uh, the best signing of the summer for me. And, and people, they, they might overlook this because they don't know how good this guy is because their games are never on TV. But Making Dennis Schroeder your backup point guard behind Russ, who plays the same type of game, is one of the best, best, best moves of the summer, hands down. He fits it. He's, he's he plays with pace. He's athletic. He's 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 dar- he's darty. He goes he change directions. He can go to the hoop. He has he, he's developed a little better outside shot. You know, it really allows them to play some interesting lineups. And I think that it's going to make them an elite team. I think the subtraction of Carmelo Anthony and the addition of Dennis Schroeder will be... Okay, so he's going to be really good next year. I think he's going to be really good. He's going to be the best backup point guard in the league. I thought about this funny enough earlier today. Because I don't... Schroeder's really interesting because like he's really... He's really quick. He's really crafty, but I don't. I I hope he's not like the bad stats. I mean, like the good stats, bad team guy. I don't think he is because he was good on Atlanta when they were kind of when they were really good. He served in a really good backup role to Jeff Teague. Mm-hmm. I hope he can go back to that because in Atlanta he kind of like was the offense, and 
it's kind of like, you know, when you play with LeBron or you play with, uh, when you play with great players, you kind of have to like play the game on their terms. Him and Russ are going to play a lot together, I think, in crunch time. Yeah. I hope that he can figure out a good way to kind of be off the ball and kind of like, oh, Russ threw me an outlet. I'm not the best shooter, so I'm going to drive, do two dribbles, try to kick it to Paul George or throw a lot. Like, I hope he can, like, figure that out because that's tough. Like, when you don't get the ball and then when you get it, when you're expected to do something, that's like a hard flip. It was kind of like Oladipo where it was like, you get the ball, you better do something with it or else I'm just going to have to do this myself. Yep, yep. So... I think he can do it because I think he's a good. I mean, for a, I don't think he's a good starter, but I think he's a great backup. <laughs> uh, he's a great backup. People, people forget that well, people weren't paying attention, but he averaged about 19 points and five assists last season, and he got the ball pretty decent, you know. Yeah. And I think you know, and he's not he's not any worse of a shooter than Russell Westbrook can be. That is true. At times. And he definitely doesn't chuck up as much shot as Russell does. So I think he's going to be like, he's going to be, I wouldn't say a poor man's Russell Westbrook, but he's going to be a Russell Westbrook on a budget type of guy. And I think think that's going to help them. Because he shot 43.6% last season. So I think, you know, if he can keep it around there, bring it up a little bit, coming off the bench, he can average about maybe 12 points. Yeah, he'll be good off the bench. I mean, also, their backup point guard last year was uh, Sir Fat Man Raymond Felton. Like, so they're like, that's you're upgrading. Um, so my underrated one, um, I think this is like, I think they're gonna. This team is gonna be really good. Um, I'm actually surprised he didn't like get traded last season. Um, but Tyreek Evans to the Pacers, I think, is like really good. Um, just because last season Tyreek Evans balled out for. Memphis, again, like who, unless you're like us and you're just like watching League Pass late for some dumb reason, no one was really watching Memphis. But last season, Tyreek Evans was really good. He was basically 25 and 5 a night, shot basically 40% from three. Um, The Pacers, I think, are going to be a really interesting team. They got a lot of young guys, but I think. Tyreek Evans is really good for them because it it they don't really have a they don't have a true point guard. They have Darren Collison and um, Corey Joseph, who aren't really like oh I'm gonna get you a bucket type guys. So basically, after Oladipo, Tyreek Evans can be like that second type of playmaker, break you down. Um, he'll get shots for people and he can get buckets. And I think that um, the Pacers sometimes, if they weren't, they're a really good shooting team, but like they were they overly relied on Lance to say like hey create something and Tyreek Evans is like a Lance Stevenson 3.0 to my opinion even though I I love yeah on offense yeah so I think I think the Pacers are going to be really good and I think when Tyreek Evans comes off the bench and when he plays with Oladipo I think that's going to be I think the Pacers are easily going to be like top they're I mean they're a class below um that top three but I think they're going to run away with that four spot you know what? I think that was a great signing, and I haven't really thought about that because you know I didn't really want him to go there. I, I, like I'm a fan of Tyreek Evans, you know, his rookie season averaging 25 and five. Yeah. One of the big players to be able to do that in his rookie season, you know, LeBron James, another 25, 25 five guy, when he came in as a rookie, so he was in rare company coming in as a rookie. But injuries really derailed his career. Yeah. And, you know, eight seasons later, 
He's 28 years old, so still in his prime, and he looks to be healthy. You know, he only played 52 games last season. Which is still concerning. I didn't know that before I looked it up. (laughs) Yeah. But you know what? Most of those games, he was sitting because they wanted to trade him, and they didn't end up doing it because, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies are just terrible bad of an organization. They're just that bad. They couldn't, they couldn't get a deal for a guy that was averaging 19.5. Right. They do it. And that's how bad they are. They're just horrible. So, you know, you know, they couldn't do it. They couldn't, they couldn't get him to move before the deadline. And so they let him sit out basically 16 games for nothing. And then after that, you know, he got a little ding. And he was out another 10 games for no reason. And he had no reason to play after that. So, you know, he didn't really get to continue to show you know, how much of the skills that he would gain. But playing 30 minutes, 31 minutes a game, putting up what he put up, I think that he's going to be able to replicate that. I do too. All signs all, all point to being able to replicate that. Offensively and on the boards, he more than makes up for what Lance Stevenson was. Yeah. And his basketball IQ is off the, short, is off the charts. Yeah. But the only part where you may drop back a little bit, like with, with the signing of him, and the sign of Doug McDermott. Defense. <laughs> defense. Where's the defense? You know? They're gonna get they're gonna get killed when like good wingmen come like yeah, they're gonna get lit up, but yeah, they're gonna get lit up. I think they can they can make it work. I think if you have good team defense, you can overcome that. And they have it's not like it's not a kind of thing where like they're a young team, they don't it's like they have good they have smart guys on their team, so I think it's almost like you can be in the right place. But, I mean, like, when, you know, if KD comes to town, you're just like, you just pray he has an off night. Yeah. <laughs> you just pray he has an off night. Clay, too. You just pray they have an off night. Right. So. You know, have an off nights. So. Um, against, against the bottom feeders and the average teams, they're going to be really, really, really dangerous. But against the top teams, I still think that they'll need a little bit more to be able to compete. Like, yeah, they do. When will Miles Turner become a star? I think he's really good, but he's never showed me. <laughs> yeah, he's never showed me. I don't know what they're talking about. So maybe he'll become a star like, like some people say. We'll see. I mean, I think he's good. I think Sabon I think Sabonis is really good. Um oh, for, Sabonis is definitely really good. I think I like he's good. Um if they could just no, get a no. better point guard, I just I'd feel really good about them. But they're they just basically have like I mean, we just talked about Dennis Schroeder. Dennis Schroeder would probably start for them, right? The Pacers. I mean, yeah, he probably would, unless you know, they, run, they run Tyreek and uh, all the people one too. But I don't see like yeah, like they'd be better served taking one from this. So, I, but like you know what, I like Derrick Carlson, but as a sixth man, I like him, not as a starter. As a sixth man, not as a starter. But I think, I think, I think you know, the coach McMillan is a smart enough. He's a good. He's a great offensive coach. Yeah, yeah. He'll be. He'll be able. To, he'll be able to make it work. He's going to stagger the minutes a little bit. It's not really going to matter who starts. He'll. He'll find out a way to make it work. I'm. I'm. I'm confident, in Coach McMillan. Yeah. Um. Do you have any other signings before we kind of get into the last big picture thing I have in store? Any other signings that caught your eye? Um. My. My one thing. Um. I'll just say this. I think Wilson Chandler was a good pickup for the Sixers. I think he's good. Um. For what he is. Any other signings that caught your eye that you think are pretty underrated or that were, you thought were kind of solid moves? Because uh, there I weren't that many to me. <laughs> I think that the Nuggets being able to resign 
Nikola Jokic to a five-year, $140 million deal. Really good. It's a really good move because that guy can ball. Five star, five star. He has the size, passes like a guard. He dribbles like a guard. He can shoot. You know, he he has a lot. He has a lot to make up for on defense. But that team doesn't play defense anyways. So you know what? I think that he's going to end up being a star in this league for a while. He's only twenty-three. He might be all. He uh, the West is so loaded. He's probably not going to be an all star though. Yeah, the West is loaded. I think he's going to challenge for an all-star spot if he doesn't actually snatch one. You know, maybe with injuries he'll get in as a replacement. But the guy he can ball really, really, really good. The Nuggets are making the playoffs next year. The Nuggets are really, really good. They have a lot of good, like just solid players. They're going to be good next year. They narrowly missed it by one game two times in a row. Russell Westbrook on his MVP campaign. Yeah, it killed them. Knocked <laughs> a little big, big old triple double on them and knocked them out. And then last year he had the playing playoff game where if you make it, you make it. And you know what? They just couldn't get over the hump against the Timberwolves, who had a little bit more talent as, 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 as opposed to them. And they get um, and they get Paul Millsap back, who's really good. We had a weird little hand injury there. And Paul Millsap's really good. <laughs> Paul Millsap is really good. He's a, he's a, he, I always thought of him as like a really poor man LeBron. Like it's kind of almost a sin to compare them. Yeah. Like he's, there's so many things he can do. He can dribble the ball. He's a big forward. He can shoot. He can pass. Good defender. He's like basically like Al Horford. Like you just don't notice him, but like he's not. He does everything well. Yeah, he does everything well. He does everything well. Sometimes his decision making is a little. It's off. a little off, but yeah. He gets a lot of turnovers, but in terms of skill, he can really take over a game. Yeah. He's one of the few players that can really take over a game. Because he missed over half the year, so when they get and they only yeah, so he's gonna be. He'll be really good. Um. Before we wrap up, what are you looking forward to in 2019? I know for me, um, you know, this happens every year. Who's the disgruntled star who wants out? Um, it could be either Jimmy Butler, which I think will happen. Um, Anthony Davis. It's, I just want to know who during the season is basically going to say, I want out. And then that could even be Kawhi. We never know. Um, that's my one thing I'm looking forward to is, you know, we're about to hit the NBA dead zone, but we always still somehow find ways to hear little rumors. That's what I'm going to be watching for. What about you? Um, I think you really hit the nail right on the head there in terms of the names that you mentioned. Everybody else doesn't really matter. It's those <laughs> Jimmy Butler and, uh, I can't, I spoke to some Jimmy Butler and Kyrie. Kyrie, yeah. I don't know if Kyrie is going to be Kyrie is one of those unpredictable players where you never know what he wants to do. In his head. You know, the earth is flat. Got some weird tats. He's a weird dude. He's a generally a weird dude. He's a weird dude, so you never know what to expect from him. He has a great situation there in Boston. But knowing Danny Ainge, if things start looking weird and, and you know, his temperature gets too hard to take or too confusing to take, you know, he might end up moving Kyrie. And getting something in return, other than you know, risking him leaving for nothing. So I think that Kyrie and Jimmy might end up in New York, and hopefully for me, because I'm definitely not a Knicks fan until you know Dolan sells the team, which will never happen. Yeah, I'm a Nets fan. I'm a Nets fan, so I want to see Jimmy and Kyrie 
in New York because they'll have two max slots open for next summer. I mm, I hope I want the Knicks to be good. Um, I just it's the Knicks. I don't know. It seems like it, whatever is easy to happen, whatever like just seems easy, it never works that way. No, 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 not the Knicks, the Nets. The Nets. Oh. I want to see that the Brooklyn, Brooklyn is going to have two max slots next summer. I want to see them come to BK. That's I think that's more likely than anything else. Um, even though, half, funny enough, before we go, half the players on Brooklyn I really like, just not on that team. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. Uh, like, yeah, they have a lot of players I would want on my Detroit Pistons, but yeah, that's just never going to happen. Um, uh, so anything else you look at? No, we're, we're going to battle for the eight seed for the next five years. We're not good. Us and the yeah, the Pistons and the Knicks will be battling for mediocrity for a little while longer. But uh, Malcolm Morley, appreciate you having you, dog. We done hit everything. Um, oh, one thing before I sign off, I'm basically later. I just this is an exercise for you. I know it's gonna take you a second off the top of your head. I'm basically this before the season is over. I'm gonna try to write who I think are the top ten players in the league. Do you have a sketch of a list that you could give off the top? Damn, off the top of the head? Yeah. Ah, uh, damn. I had Steph fourth, and I had KD two, but I I I, tr- I truly understand the logic. It makes sense. And then of course, you know, I have no, um, you know, you know, blasphemy notwithstanding, I have to put Kevin Durant at three. Yeah. Because you know he's that he's just that good. He's just a player that we've never seen. Seven feet tall, man can dribble like a guard, dunk like a he can dunk like a forward. He can run like a gazelle. He can finish like a center. The guy is just otherworldly talented. And then coming in at the fourth spot, Anthony Davis. I had him three. Yeah, he's he's really really good. Yeah, this is where this is this by the way is is where my list got really hard. This like the three to like seven spot was really hard. Yeah, three to seven. You know, it's it's really tough. You know, it's comes into a lot of preference, yeah. a lot of preference-based, you know, play styles, things of that nature. But you know what? I'm kind of, I'm really decisive when it comes to who I like and who I don't. So I'm, 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 a, I'm a, It's gonna, it's gonna come with some attention, I would assume. But I'm gonna throw some names out. Number five, 
you know, he was just injured, so we don't really know what he's like right now. Kawhi. But, yeah, Kawhi. I can't find myself with him any lower than he is. Any lower than five. He's one of the top five players in the league. He's really, really, really good. He's in a great situation in Toronto. There's no reason I can foresee him not being in return to the top of the league in terms of, you know, just ability and what he brings to that locker room. We just fit so well that I just think that, you know, if he plays, he will have to. He wants to get a nice contract next summer that, that he'll be in for reason to come to. I had him six, but only because of the injury, but I understand. That makes sense. And the person you will probably put six is who I have fifth. Um, yeah, well, six, I gotta put the, I gotta put the MVP, man. Yeah, I had him fifth. Yeah, I gotta put, I gotta, I gotta put the MVP number, number six. You know, we all know how good of a player James Harden is, but we also know his biggest flaws. In every playoff, we see it again and again. And again, and you know, at this point, you just you just can't ignore it. Yeah. You can't ignore it. The guy folds under pressure. That's that's what he does. He folds under pressure like a launcher. That's what he does. <laughs> that's who he is. This part was also hard. The seven through ten, because this part is where you really get to kind of like personal preference. Um, yeah, this part's really hard. <laughs> yep. And it is really tough. It's Especially with the injuries, it would have been easier for me to do it without all the players that we get hurt. You know, I kind of jumped back and forth in my mind about how much or how valuable players really are. But you know what? I got to put Giannis in number seven. I had him at eight. So that makes sense. I got to put Giannis in number seven because, you know what? He's that good. He's that good. Well, I think he played well. I think, yeah. He's not there yet, though. He's like, he's right there. He's right there. But also, but Milwaukee was kind of a mess. Chris Paul? Yeah, Chris Paul. He did not make my list. He did not make it. I thought about him, just the injury stuff. I don't know if he can get through 82 anymore. <laughs> uh, you know what? It's, it's healthy, man. He's a game changer. He's a culture changer. No, I mean, if healthy is a big hit when it comes to Chris Paul. Yeah. I had, I had, um, I had Russ 7, then I had Giannis 8. Okay, I'm interested to see who you had ten because my my number ten was the ultimate like preference pick. <laughs> uh, your number ten is the ultimate preference pick. All um, yeah. For me, for me, it's almost a tie, but you know what? I, it switches for me, it goes back and forth. But for me, number ten, it either has to be 
Jimmy Butler. Or he, I thought about him. He did not make it, but he was close. Or Paul George. Funny enough, both I literally sat. I was on a flight when I did this. I literally debated about who was better for them for like 15 minutes. I still don't know the answer. I think if I had to start my own team, I'd pick Butler. Um, just because I think he can he can get his own shot more. I mean, both are clearly like top players. I had Dame only because like he to me he's like a Steph Curry light. Like, where if he's the best player on your team, you know at least, like, the culture will be sound. And he's really freaking good. Yep, yep, yep. I can't get mad at that. You know what? I can't get mad at that. I mean, I'm... Because he was... He, he... The argument could have been made... I mean, he made first-team All-NBA for a reason. He was that... Yeah, he did. He did. I mean, there was a lot of injuries, mind you, in the West. But still, he was crazy. He was crazy. Kyrie, John Wall, yeah. Injuries. And not because of him so much as a player. But he definitely he definitely played well. He's definitely one of the one of the most elite point guards in the league. He can do everything that you need your point guard to do. He can close. He has ice in his veins when it's little time. You gotta step out of the way, but you know, when when push comes to shove and you need somebody to change their game, that's one thing that he had to show him the ability to do. And that's really what caused the 4 loss. Yeah, that was bad. That was a bad look. <laughs> so, you know, his inability to change his game to find other ways to be dominant is what has me leaving him out of my top ten. Yeah, Drew Holiday kind of ate his lunch. That was unexpected. Drew Holiday did more than ate his lunch. He made his lunch like he was his mom. Tucked him in. <laughs> and ate his lunch. That's what he did Um... Yeah, well, Malcolm, I appreciate it. We talked for basically about an hour. Um, we got to hop back on before the season starts, but I really appreciate you, bro. Thanks for uh, thanks for hopping on, G. Oh, thanks for having me once again, G. Yeah. I can't wait to see you back in the DMV, bro. I'm already back, bro. Hit me. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be there in a couple weeks. I'll wake up. All right, bro. Till then, man. Till then. All right.